Are you getting it now? No. Aha! My cell phone was sitting on top of a receiver. It was. Your cell phone made us made us um. Paranoid. Death. No death. Oh, now. sorry. I am so sorry. Although it's starting again and it yeah. stopped. Well, hopefully it won't show up in the recording because I don't quite know when it started. Okay. So. We may just cut this whole section out. I don't know. We are Could you please just say that like that? Like our like our special guest today is just <laughs> progressions there. Welcome to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. Love it. With Hector Martinez, Sarah Kinzer. Hi. And Amy. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Charles Spurgeon or oh, like and Charles Spurgeon. Welcome to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. Uh, my name is Hector, and I am one of the darling co-hosts. <laughs> I want to cut that out. Uh, my name is Hector, and uh, today we have our co-host, Sarah. Hey, hey. Uh, hey, hey. And uh, we have our friend, Amy, with us. Wait, I'm like waving, and there's nobody there to wave at. Well, I mean, there's you guys. Well, like, we'll wave the, back because that's rude the, for us not to wave. The people, back, so. the people of 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 podcast land, do not get to see me wave. That's all right. We'll we'll include that in the the uh, the weekly snippet. Um, well, welcome, Amy. Welcome. I hope I don't know if you guys can hear my dog, but uh, she's playing with me because apparently that is exciting to do when you are on the, a podcast. And she's literally got her tail in my face. So, well, so people oh, yeah, like she's been on other podcasts. She's probably more famous than me. <laughs> um, you know, like the whole thing is that people started Beth more. I don't know. Like we were goofing around with her, and then she's like, "Amy, I'm gonna follow you. I don't know anybody who owns a who owns a cockatiel." I'm like, "Okay." And then like I think I got like a few hundred followers just because Beth Moore said that. Oh. And and I'm like, okay. Like so then I made her the godmother of Arrow. So if I die, um, Arrow will be going to live with Beth Moore. And I'm so that's not life. That's pretty exciting. So. I mean, she also has like a, I think one of her dogs is a bird dog. So, I mean, that would probably not end well for Arrow, but it's funny to think of. So. Well, we know about your dog and we know about your bird, but Amy, who are you? Um, I always, I never know, quite know how to answer this question. I don't know if I don't have like a quite, a, I don't know if I have like, I don't know if it's like my sense of self is not developed enough yet, or because I just don't know what I want to be yet, or because I think life is a constant fluctuation of who we are and who we aren't. But, um, you know, we always define ourselves by what we do. So I've often said, oh, I'm a writer, oh, I'm this, I'm that. And I am like, well, what am I doing now? You know, the pandemic's kind of stopped a lot of things. So what do I do? I just hang around Twitter. I crochet, I play with my pets, I try to live a good life, and sometimes I write, but I haven't been uh, publicly sharing my writing for a, for a long time, so. Well, and you're, and you're a good friend. Yes, I do try Absolutely. to be a good friend. Yeah. Amy, what platforms are you on, and what's your preferred platform? I have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
Um, and I, I downloaded TikToks. I had like I have TikTok, but I don't know. I like just post videos of like my pets and like slinkies and stuff. So, um, but my, you know, I like Twitter the best. Um, what I like about Twitter is that you can like interact literally with like Beth Moore, or you can interact with like some person who lives in Brazil, or you know, you can make and you can make friends on Twitter. You can experience new people, whereas like Facebook is just kind of like people you know and they want to sell you like. Tupperware and Instagram is just a lot of pictures which is great but it it sort of has that influencer kind of thing which is cool if that's what you're looking for it just depends what you're looking for but Twitter is where I could find a lot of connectivity based on what people say and what they believe as opposed to people I know which is it's it's good to keep in touch with people though that you like went to high school with or went to other churches with but you know I, I like I like meeting new people and when the pandemic hit, Twitter became so much more important because I could like go meet new people. Like that's so exciting. But you know, you can't do that as much on other platforms. What's your I guess you can on Instagram. What's your I guess Twitter? you can on Instagram though. Um at just amazing. So a lot of people think my last name is Zing, but it's like a play on words like Amy Zing, like amazing, but uh. So people are like, hey, Miss Zing. And I'm like, my last name, but okay. It's very Susie. Like it would be a Dr. Seuss last name. It is. I should just start like doing my hair like with the crazy like Cindy Lou Who, like, or those like weird beehives those ladies have like in the Dr. Seuss books. It'd be cool. Diet Blue. It's <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, well, so Amy, there's so much that Sarah and I just find admirable, uh, just about who you are and, and, and the way that you engage online. Um, but if we start at the very beginning, if there was a way that people were going to describe you, uh, I think it would be welcoming. Um, I think that, you know, that's something that if you're going to talk about just amazing and how amazing you are, uh, that's going to be something that that has to be part of the conversation. And so when you hear that word welcoming or to welcome, what does what does that mean to you in your life? Um, for me, it, it makes me happy that people feel welcomed by me. Um, I think just growing up, I had I'm an only child. So it's you always had to if you wanted friends, you had to make them. You didn't have like built in sibling friends and things like that. Um, so I always had to, I mean, I remember reading some book about like how to make friends when I was in middle school because it became so difficult and you really wanted to just have somebody pass you a note in seventh grade, you know, math class or something. And I didn't have people who are passing me notes. I didn't have that in my life. I was also, I went to this thing where I went, I, been not, I was naturally outgoing as a younger child, but when I got to middle school, it was just so painfully awkward. And I felt, and then when I went to high school, it was better, but I was just so insecure. And then when I was in college, I hit my stride and I realized that so many people feel alone. So many people feel on the outside. So many people don't feel accepted. And I was like, wow, maybe I need to try to provide people with what I didn't have. And I thought about people who made me feel good, people who made me feel like I belonged, people who made me feel accepted and the difference that made in my entire life. And I wanted to be a place where people felt safe. 
or at least even if it wasn't me be the like the pathway or the you know the introduction to a place where they could feel safe and where they could feel welcome and i think that people just like once you belong yep yeah well and that again that's something that sarah and i you know not only think that you excel at but i've been able to see that at play uh on on twitter and so uh, is is this something that you're doing in everyday life um welcoming people um helping them to find new connections do you find that this is something that's actually difficult in real life but maybe easier online um when i went to my old church um I was like, well, actually, I started out as a youth leader, like back in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was just a natural connection. You had to learn how to, like, you have to learn how to connect with teenagers. You have to learn how to connect with people to do that. And then I'm trained in journalism in my undergrad stuff. So I was even interviewing Christian bands and stuff. So you have to really learn to just be comfortable with other people and learn how to ask them questions and learn to connect with them. So I figured... If I could connect with people, it's easy to connect people with each other. And there's just something so exciting about having a friend or somebody like, oh, have you met, hey, Charlie, have you met Denise? I don't know why I picked those names, but, you know, and, and there's something exciting to see people connect with each other. And then when I was working with teenagers, part of the thing was uh, trying to call out their gifts. You know, they're trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to go to college? So I enjoyed work, working with the teen with teenagers and having them figure out, oh, okay, like maybe I'm going to go to college for this and kind of looking for the gifts in, in their lives, but also trying to like develop that into how they could pour that back into youth group. You know, if a, if a student was really good at writing, hey, let's like use that. Let's do a youth, youth newsletter or something like that, you know, and I actually brought them in to do a promo team. We did these big concerts at my church. They, they're sitting there, they're like, um, interviewing bands and like doing press for bands like Reliant K people think that teenagers can't do things like that they can with instruction but we just don't always enable them to have the freedom to do that and give them the freedom to fail so then when I went and did other ministry like women's ministry things like that you need you needed more of those people to be the helpers so then it was naturally um a way to connect women to each other so they didn't feel alone but also to help their ministry grow because you gave people responsibility again, calling out their gifts and calling out where they have a place where they feel like they can belong. And I think that I've always felt like that was a great ministry model because it helps to grow ministry. And then, you know, growing ministry isn't because of the numbers. It's about because of the impact you can have on your community and other people. And I think it, I think the whole thing is like people feel alone. People feel pointless. People feel purposeless. People want the hope, want hope. And heck, I mean, at times, where how many times has community pulled you out of a difficult situation? Do you hear this growling in the background? Like, do you hear all this, like, dog? It's like I'm sitting here talking about community and my dog is, like, is playing with this growling and just, ugh. So it's a funny, it's a funny like, dynamic. Talk about ministry and have this bird, my bird chirping and my dog growling. But isn't that, isn't that how you live life? So isn't that how you do ministry? It's like people think this lofty thing about of ministry, but like it's really like it's really your dog, your bird's dancing in the corner, your dog's growling because she's playing with you, and you know you're talking to somebody 
maybe they're messaging you and they're like, oh, I really need to talk to you. And they're starting to message you about how their husband left them. And you're just like, how am I supposed to like deal with that with all this other stuff going on? But I think that's kind of like how ministry or life is. I think life is ministry in a way. And we just live it in all the messy glory that it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it's, I mean, there's, I don't know, there might be people who want to have podcasts where you put the bird outside or something so it doesn't chirp, but like, you know, we're, we've been clear from the get-go, like we're not professionals. We're just having conversations and that's like, we want, we want the, the bird chirping kind of conversation. That's just the real, this is what life is. Besides there's birds outside that chirp. So if I was sitting outside, there could be chirping. Yeah. So we wanted to talk, we've talked about having you on for, for a while and about this, about how you welcome people. Um, Mm -hmm. But like in the, like recently, I've just really noticed something different about the kind of welcome that you extend. And so like, I think a lot of people can like relate to the experience of a shallow welcome. Like, um, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on, on the churches. I love the church, but like, you know, you know what it's like to go into a church and to get a lot of attention as a first time visitor and then go back and they just don't remember that you exist or they're like, oh, well, you've already gotten our, our mug. So I don't know what else you want from us really. Um, and, and, um, or, you know what it's like to show up to a party and Mm -hmm. be welcomed warmly at the door. And then you walk in and you feel very awkward with a bunch of people you don't know. Right. Um, and so like, I think people can recognize a shallow welcome. And so I, I think about like, you know, every, a lot of, I assume it's a, a common experience that people have welcome mats. I have a welcome mat. Do you guys have welcome mats? Yeah. No, I don't want anyone in my home. Oh, oh God. <laughs> okay. No, he has I, an unwelcome I, sign. Yeah, okay. I have one that says turn back around. No. <laughs> turn no, well, no. Uh, well, I, I'm at the bottom of the stairs, and so, like, that's where all the water drains, so I can't, oh. I don't, I, well, I don't want no mat. Anyway. But you know what a welcome mat is, and you know what it's supposed to, like, okay, well, it's this thing that sits in front of your door, Hector, that many people have. Okay, so many people have this welcome mat, but you think about, like, what it, what it would be like to to carpet your whole place with welcome as opposed Mm. to just having the welcome at the door but so that welcome is deep and so that when they walk into your house that they are they are welcome anywhere that they are um that they can be comfortable anywhere so that that welcome is just deeper than just a moment at the door um and and that's how I see the way that you welcome people online Amy like you constantly have your eyes on the vibe of the people um, that you interact with. And if you someone see someone who is hurting or absent, like you check on them. Um, and when someone seems to be misunderstood, you clarify their message, you know, to bring peace and to, to bring, to help them out, you look out for them. Um, and I know that you have a background in counseling. Um, can you talk about how that training has served you and how you seek to care for others online? Um, I don't, I mean, 
I think that my counseling background, I went to seminary and some biblical counseling. So I think that helped me a lot with how to write, how to like, like if I had to write Bible study curriculum or how, like to, how to use the Bible as a way to reach people. I actually think my journalism background is what helps me connect people because like if you interview, um, if you have, I, I did a lot of like work within CCM. So if you have to interview a, a, like a new band or a new um, lead singer, like you have certain questions that you want to ask about the album and you only have, like a, you have like a time frame. So it might be like 11, 15, 11, 45. That's the time you have and you have to get all the good material in within that time. So you have to warm up to somebody really, really quickly to get a good rapport going. So I think learning that good rapport from journalism is actually what helped me learn how to be welcoming. I think that my degree in counseling, I actually got it so I could do youth ministry um, and work with teenagers, but I didn't end up doing that. However, like, I mean, as vocational, vocationally, but I think that my counseling really helped me see how you can use the Bible as such a tool to connect with people, using the Bible as a tool to heal and to help and to help people connect with God and each other. And I think that's where the counseling came in more. Well, with the journalism thing, like you are, I think you're practiced at pulling stories out of people and like making people feel comfortable sharing from their experience, which is I had a, I had a, um, a, I have a great, I had a great uncle, Jack. And I always used to say like, the reason that everybody loved Jack is because when he entered a room, it wasn't like, here I am. It was like, oh, there you are. He came in and it was like, he loved everybody he was seeing and he wanted, he wanted to be with them. And he, when he walked in a room, you felt more valuable when you, draw someone, uh, draw their story out from them. I think that's how you make them feel like, you know, people treasure their stories. They treasure their, their experiences. And to have someone who is genuinely interested in hearing them is in, it's, it's incredibly welcoming. I think, I think being able to hear somebody's story though, I think we always want to like, proclaim God's truth and whatever and you look at Jesus and he does a lot of like I'm assuming that he's someone who when people came with their stories that he listened like if you look at this story one of my favorite stories is the story of the bleeding woman you know it's hemorrhaging and then Jesus and she's like he, Jesus is on his way to go to like I think it was it the, somebody Jairus I think mm-hmm. was it was on, the, on his way to wait, on his way to that very important person's house and the lady comes up behind him and touches him and she's healed. So he can really just go on his way. Like she's, she's good, but he stopped. And he's like, who's touched me? And there's like all these people and everybody's probably like, Jesus, like there's like a bazillion people here. Like, of course, like I tripped and touched you, you know, like, no, I felt the power go out for me. And he looks around for this woman. And what I think is so cool is that the, I, I never looked at the original, you know, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, whatever is, right there but um but he's she she comes to him and tells him the whole truth and this is this this could cost her like a whole lot like you know she's unclean she's not supposed she's supposed to be proclaiming that she touched it she was just a wreck but 
he stood there and listened to her story. If it wasn't important for Jesus, if it's important for Jesus to stop me out to do something really important, how much more is it important for us to stop? And as people who say that we follow Jesus, as Jesus followers, how much more important is it for us to stop and to listen? And I like to say that when someone tells us their story, that is a holy activity. Like we should be so honored that people tell us their stories. Like, you know, we always think, oh, we're so great because we made that person feel good. Like to trust somebody with your story and your stuff is, is incredible. And I do think that being able to walk alongside somebody or to hear their story or to hear, to share, to see a picture of their kids. Um, sometimes people like connect with me on Twitter and they're like, oh, I want to show you this. And they'll send me pictures of their dogs or their kids because they don't want to share it public publicly. I'm like, wow, what an honor. Like this person thinks that, you know, they want to share more of their life with me and they're showing me these special things. Like that is amazing. And I think when you get into real conversations, like what we're doing now, there's a bit of a, a holiness to it. There's a bit of like God is present with us kind of thing but then it I think it gets to the art of holy listening and holy conversation where you can talk about the things of God you can talk about how to do ministry better how to reach people better how to communicate and welcome and I think I think that honors the heart of God yeah yeah that's beautiful I I actually uh thank you for sharing that I I really hadn't considered that point that like the woman was healed and Jesus could have just gone on and you know not not made that a, a public teaching and obviously he's not doing that to embarrass her or anything, but just to proclaim like, Hey, you're important, you know, especially for that woman who for so long had been, you know, not welcomed in the ranks, right. Of, of the people. And so, um, yeah, I just hadn't thought of that. That's, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Uh, well, so you mentioned a little bit about people who, you know, they'll show you their kids, they'll show you their dog, they'll invite you into these personal moments. Um, and obviously, we know social media increases these opportunities for vulnerability. But that also means that as you're seeing dogs, and as you're seeing kids, and as you're seeing these moments, um, that you probably are seeing a lot of vulnerable moments, people that like, not just not just in your personal messages, but even on the timeline of your watching mm -hmm. people that like these skills that you've acquired and, and built up and sharpened. Um, and even just uh, the giftings that the Lord has given you as well. How do you balance your skill set, your giftings with the fact that as big as your heart is, and as much as you want to care for others, there really is only one Amy how do you set appropriate boundaries or bring others around you to lighten that load? Well, one thing I do is that um, a lot of people, like the first thing they do in the morning is they check their phone. I do not. I do not. I generally don't sleep with my phone in my bedroom. Um, so I, you know, and I have, like, I have my iPad. So sometimes if I can't sleep all, but I actually, like, like when I go to bed at night and when I wake up in the morning, unless there's like some rare, occurrence I don't go on social media if if I'm home and Sarah and I are you know hanging out and just having quality time Sarah is my best friend um you know I don't go on social media if I'm just not in a good headspace I won't go on social media some people if something really happens that's really important people can text me 
And then even then I might text somebody else and say, hey, like this person needs somebody to talk to. Can you do that? Like, if you need a break, you need a break. And you can't, like, you can't do ministry from an empty cup. You can't, no, even just conversations with friends, like you can't give what you don't have. And if you're not charging yourself and taking those appropriate boundaries, you're just going to give out nothing or you're going to make yourself crazy and exhausted. And I mean, at some point, I think no matter what we do, we sometimes get like that. But I know that if I give too much here or there, I can't function. Like I, you know, I've talked publicly on Twitter about struggling with mental illness, particularly anxiety and depression. And if I give out too much and I don't have anything left, like to use, like if I, if I don't have enough, like wherewithal to, you know, keep myself together, then things get really messy. So I have to be careful um, and to, you know, guard myself. And not that you just, you have to, you know, even Jesus, like people have said this a billion, billion times, but Jesus, even Jesus went and took rest and Sabbath is written into the Bible. Like we need to take those that space for ourselves, not because we want to be selfish or all about me time. Um, we're doing it because you need to recharge. Like it's not good for anybody. It's not good for us physically. It's not good for us emotionally to go 24 seven in any, in anything. Like, even if you have like a great friend, you can't constantly talk to your friend all day. Like, I mean, you could, I guess, but like, it gets draining just to talk to somebody all day, you know? So I think, I think, I think if we had more appropriate boundaries in a lot of other areas in our lives, we would probably have more appropriate boundaries on social media. Mm. Man, that's a bar. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole tweet to itself. Come on. Well, I don't, you know, I just don't see, a lot, I see a lot of people that don't have good social, that just don't have good boundaries. Um, you know, and like, there's a point at night where like, unless it's something important, I really don't text people as much anymore. Even when I'm doing like Zoom game nights and stuff, I kind of, unless it's a special night, I'm kind of like, ah, 10, 10, 30, like I'm done. I used to not do that actually. But I just was realizing like, I, as I, I didn't always know at first, like, I thought, oh, if I get off later, like, I can still sleep well, but like, my body is like, kind of like in a certain type of sleep cycle. So I just kind of need that downtime. To, otherwise, I'm too like, revved up, like revved up, and then I can't sleep. It just So it's like my body's used to this. I, I don't know, things that happen after you turn 40, you know, <laughs> body just goes, you know, so I think know. it's important. So sleep is like super important. So you need to like give yourself the things that your body needs so it can function. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just emotionally possible physically. Yeah. Another aspect of how you welcome that we want to highlight is how you have found ways to practically care for people. And this has not just been like a revelation in my life about what can be done online with ministry. But, but watching how you do this is, is changing me. Like I'm not naturally a generous person. I don't like to share food. I don't like school fundraisers. I'm kind of a penny pincher, but you, Amy, have invited me into blessing other people, like no obligation, no pressure, no shame if I can at the time. And the first few times, like completely honest. I was skeptical. It was, it's my natural response to being asked, asked to give in money. Like I'm defensive. That's just me being vulnerable about who I am. 
And I was actually talking about generosity with a pastor friend of mine this week and talking actually about you, Amy, and how practical you are, that your generosity is, it meets, it cares for individuals. And we talked about how, um, she said, you know, she believes that the Christians she knows are generous. And when we were sort of fleshing it out, um, we came to kind of the, the conclusion, or we both thought that maybe what we observed is that in person, Christians may tend to be more generous with like structural generosity. If you put a nonprofit in front of them and say, we're all taking up for this nonprofit, and then that nonprofit is going to go manage the funds and distribute it as they see fit, like Christians may tend to be more willing to do that than if you were to say, here is the individual person that that nonprofit would serve. Let's give them money. Let's give this individual person money. And that the response to that might be more like, well, can I give them some advice on how they can do it themselves? And so like this, this more willingness for kind of structural generosity versus individual generosity, like in watching the way that you care for people this way, I've seen how $5 here combined with other little, you know, people's little bits here and there, like can make a difference to a person. And um, we, I think we usually think of generosity as an earmark of a wealthy person. And Amy, like this might get you millions of friends, millions of followers, depending on the answer. Um, have you won the lotto recently? I actually do not. I would actually be considered somebody under poverty and poverty level, um, to be completely honest. And that's what's, that's what's so funny. People, I don't know what they think. But I'm definitely not someone who has a lot of money. Um, but somehow, like, and I definitely, I'm a saver, which is so funny to people because I'm like, wait, what? They, like, I, but I definitely, I used to coupon, so like, I know how to do all that stuff. But um, actually, I used to coupon just so I could give stuff away and put these, like, my, at that point, my best friend Sarah worked um, in adoption units. And so they had like long-term foster care. And what, what she was learning is that these, some of these girls were like Hispanic and they had like really curly hair and they weren't getting proper products to take care of their hair. So it was just a mess. And I mean, what is more awkward than being like a teenage girl going to school? Everybody knows that you're either like in a foster home or they have independent living. So like they don't even have a home. They live at like a group kind of place. And then your hair looks bad. I mean, like everything's about how you look at that point when you're in, and like, why should they feel awkward? So my whole deal was like, let's get them decent enough hair products, at least like hairspray, like they didn't have hairspray. And I started learning how to coupon and did this. And it was like so cool because they get these little backpacks, all this stuff. And these kids would just like be so grateful for it. I never got to meet them because they would go anonymously to with some people in social work who needed it. So I learned that you can be really generous by being really smart. And like there was times when I didn't have money and I would actually have the same response as you, Sarah. I'm just like, I don't have any money. But then I realized there were things I could do. Like I could volunteer in the church's office. Um, I could. So like we always think about, we always think about generosity as being like a physical thing or giving money, which is just so easy because Literally, give you can give money and then just ignore the entire problem of the situation. Just give money. 
you just give money. And when you don't have money, you have to think more creatively about resources. Um, one time I went to, um, there's like this cool like thrift store about 45 minutes from me and they have like a, they have like a clearance section. And so you can buy stuff by the pound. So I got a bunch of like little glass vases there and it was like really cheap. And then I went and bought like fresh cut flowers and just like left them at my friend's doorsteps. It cost me like not that much money and it made their day. You can go to the dollar store and get like a helium balloon and leave it. If your friend's having a bad day, just like leave it on their their doorstep or like get like clearance Hershey Kisses right after Valentine's Day and put those in like little baggies. And if your friend needs emergency chocolate, just like leave it on their door. Like it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. Actually, I have, we actually all three of us have a friend in Canada named Laura, and she'll just send you mail of all these crazy stickers and stuff. It, you know, it doesn't have to cost a lot. I think the thing is that we don't want to give we don't want to give things. It's easy to give away five dollars. It's harder to like sit down and write a card and put stickers on it. Yeah. But like, isn't have you ever gotten just like mail on like a day like real mail on a day where you're just like oh, I just can't go on. You're like, man, somebody thought of me enough to write this card out to me or like even like I've gotten texts you guys like text from people just like I thought of you or like um look at this funny picture my my uh kid drew and it's like really funny and it, it just makes you feel like my gosh somebody thought of me it doesn't have to be complicated we make everything so complicated it doesn't have to be a bouquet the thing with the thing with um starting to ask for generosity online one thing that has come up before is like, oh, well, you know, they could be lying to you and bilking you out of money and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, they could be. But shame on them for that. My responsibility is to give as God's called me to give. So maybe God hasn't called me to give to this. And there was a recent thing where people, you know, asked me to give and I just didn't feel it. Um, Cause I, you know, we have so much money, but I retweeted it and, you know, like I promoted it. It just wasn't thing I, something I felt like I should I needed to give to you but so that but that was more organized so like okay it was safe but but like okay somebody I mean you could give a few dollars to somebody by a stoplight you're like oh my gosh they're gonna go buy drugs and stuff my responsibility isn't always to worry about what they're gonna do with the money my responsibility is if God tells me you give that person 10 bucks I give them 10 bucks it's not my money. It's not, these are not my, like my house is awesome. I mean, look at it. Um, <laughs> but it's not my house. It's not, I mean, Joby is like my dog, but she's not my dog. Like these are things that God has entrusted to me to use for his glory, to give to like, you know, every, there's that song, every blessing, um, every blessing you pour out, I turn back into praise. Why are we not doing that with our lives? Why are we not giving people rides that need it in our churches? Um, why are we not spending time with people who can't come to church? I mean, has not the pandemic taught us the need of physical, the need for physical people in our space? Why are we not doing this? This is basically, I think, how we're called to live. So I think when people say, oh, wow, you did this or you do that, I actually thought this was just what everybody did. Like, I thought this is something that, like, God opened our hearts. And, like, so I think it's so funny when people say, like, oh, well, like, one thing I do is, like this not to brag, just when I go to Target or something, you know, do you ever see like those carts, like the carts that people use if they have um disabilities or whatever, they can like ride around the store in those little mobile carts. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the my mom had my mom was disabled and 
So sometimes after you're shopping, some people, she didn't do this, but some people like ride the little cart out to their car and leave it there. So I just like will drive it back in because when my foot was broken, I would ride the cart. And sometimes you go get the cart and it was like your only chance to really get out. And I would get to this cart and it wouldn't be charged. And I'm just like so concerned about these carts not being charged. So I just kind of take them in or I'll take in shopping carts because I'm walking in anyway. And people are like, wow, that's really amazing because I've done it with friends. And I'm like, this isn't that amazing. This is like literally I'm walking that way anyway. I might as well take this cart that's going to hit this lady's car to the cart return or to walk it in with me. Um, I think I think what happened, I think maybe what happened is we stopped looking at other people. We stopped looking at other people's needs. We stopped looking at other people. And I'm not saying I'm doing this. It's not like every single time I go and I, I do the cart thing because like maybe I, I'm distracted that day. But if everybody kind of did it, it would all kind of get done. And people say, oh, well, it doesn't get done because there's less Christians in this country, blah, 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 blah. If someone's listening to this podcast and they're not, they're not a Jesus follower, you don't have to be a Jesus follower to return a cart or to ask an old lady who's unsteady of her feet. If, you know, can you want to sit in your car and I'll just go get you your stuff, you know, whatever. I mean, it's crazy stuff, but like, I think, I just think that we just need to be a little bit more aware. Yeah. You know, I sort of think you don't, you don't have to, you certainly don't have to be a Jesus follower to do these things, but um, certainly if you are like our faith should compel us to do those things. Right. And if you're not good at seeing people ask God to show you people um, when the pandemic hit, you know, I had been on Twitter for a little bit, but I hadn't, I, inter- I interacted with a few people that would later kind of form weird evangelical Twitter, which became weird Christian Twitter, which is who knows what now. But when the pandemic hit, I was starting, like, we were starting to go back and look at churches and try to figure out what church we really wanted to be involved. And we just sort of loosely um, would attend this evangelical free church near my house, but just not really like involved um, in ministry there. And I was like, God, like, this is ridiculous. Why would you put a call on my heart to do ministry? And then the world gets shut down. And like, I thought this is like, I, I, I've already thought of like ministry as like life and things like that, but I really wanted to get back into youth ministry because it's like literally my favorite area of ministry. I like women's ministry, I like other ministry, but I really like youth ministry. And so Sarah has like the dream job working with like college students and I love it anyway. But, and I was, I was just like, well, here I am on Twitter, so I guess I'll just use that and just see what happens. Like, I guess if, I guess you could try to minister here. And then it turned into this whole thing where like, there's just all of a sudden, like there's just a bunch of like 20 to 50 people just goofing around together. And it became like thousands of people goofing around together. And I was just like, okay, God, like, and it, it really filled a need. And when I did hear from some people from Twitter, and then I have a friend in, um, a local friend, who has a disease that's kept her bedridden mostly for years, she finally felt like she was part of society. I was like, oh my gosh, like we have all this technology. Churches do like they stream services and things like that. And they have their Facebook pages, but like, are we still actually engaging with people in the congregations using this other type of media? And suddenly all these people who were like had health issues or shut-ins, they actually felt like they were part of society because like there were online Bible studies People were Zooming, people were doing all these things that really we could have done some of it before, 
to help these other people feel included. So I'm hoping that one thing that can come out of the pandemic as it continues is more ways to do ministry that's inclusive, that are inclusive for people who, like one thing that I encountered with women's ministry was a lot of women, um, sometimes their husbands work second shift or they were single mothers or just with the kids' bedtimes, they couldn't come out to, bi- to evening Bible studies. And then they would work during the day, so they couldn't get Bible studies. And women will tend to put their um, husband's spiritual needs over before their own. So they'll watch the kids so that men's can go to, men can go to men's breakfast or men's Bible study. And then the women, the woman doesn't get, you know, she doesn't get um, her needs met. And so the idea was like, what are ways that we could do ministry so that women who are at home could continue to be with our, in our Bible studies and continue to like be part of this community. And we tried to do some stuff on Facebook. That was before like video chat was like a huge thing. But now, I mean, you can use video chat to include those women, to include the single moms, to, you know, things like that. You could do lunch breaks, lunch lunch chats or people on their cell phones. You can all eat lunch together. You don't even have to work at the same company. You could just work wherever and all have lunch together using FaceTime or Zoom. I mean, the way that technology enables us to connect and to do ministry is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to uh, another podcast uh, and there was a, a point made about media kind of being put in the middle. And and I, I understood the point, but as somebody who has watched and seen and been a part of how social media and, and media and technology has been used, not as a uh, barrier, but rather as a bridge. And I have to, I have to give credit to Angelique for that of like the bridge that it can be to, if there is separation to bring people together and that um, exactly what we are talking about the way that it is a medium as to, for us as the church to be building bridges to people, not just for them to get to us, but for us to be able to be connected to them. And I love what you're saying about engagement. That it's not just about, here's this thing that I want you to know. Here's this thing that happened that you should have been at but rather here's this thing that I really want you to be a part of and I will use what it takes to bring it to you. And that's whether that's some, you know, as basic as, you know, as you're saying uh, a lunch chat, because I want you to be a part of this community. I want you to be a part of spiritual growth with a community Uh, or I don't know. I mean, or us, right? Like, Amy, you're in a, a group chat with us, and, and we've done Jackbox game nights, right? And those things, like, it can be seen as, like, well, we're just playing games. But in the end, it really is using Zoom, using this video game as a way, as a bridge for community, and none of us are in the same room. And so uh, just, yeah, just the the opportunity and I going back to something you said of stewardship and being smart with the things that we have um, and, and just using them for God's glory, not our own consumption. So I have a question. Well, we, we asked these set of questions, but uh, since we're not professionals often, you know, 
missteps and mistakes happen. And so can you tell us about a time where uh, maybe you, you were trying to be welcoming or trying to be generous or trying to care for people in a very genuine way. And for whatever reason, it just did not go well. There was one time and it still looks funny to me, but it probably shouldn't be so funny. But like this, I was welcoming this lady on Twitter and, uh, you know, and then a bunch of, you know, sometimes we would tag people and a bunch of people, I don't know. It's hard to know because some different things annoy different people. So I think I've tried to dial it back a bit and some other people have dialed it up. But so it's not just me welcoming people anymore. But with this particular particular person, like, I, I don't know if I was welcome or if I was tagged on it. I think I was tagged on it. And I'm like, oh, hi, welcome. Um, we used to do, like, the welcome to weird Christian Twitter thing, but um, have moved away from that, just welcoming random people. And so then, I don't know, I tagged a few people on it. And then um, someone comes in and for some reason started talking about how the weapon in the murder, in the murder mystery game Clue should be updated. <laughs> And like, and like, I thought it was hilarious. And then people are talking about like, what would the modern murder weapon include be as opposed to like a candlestick? And this lady just was like overwhelmed by it. She didn't get us. She had had some trauma and some stuff with people in church. So she started, so she blocked like all of us. And then people associated with us. So then she blocked, I think she still has me blocked actually. Then she unblocked me, but then she blocked me again. I'm not even sure why I, I didn't really talk to her, but so that did not go well. Did but you learn anything from that? I learned that you should not tag in a couple of people that talk about murder weapons. Mm. <laughs> I, I what I, I think what I what you what you do learn what you do learn from things like that, besides having funny stories to tell, is that not everybody is going to get you. Not everybody's gonna get the way that you um welcome people and that, and that's not gonna be necessarily their thing and that's okay. Yeah. They're going to find their thing and it's okay to get blocked. Like who cares? Um, well, we never want to end with, um, a story about getting blocked about, <laughs> cause that's kind of a bummer. We want to hear a, a story about a time that, um, that you welcomed someone well online and it turned out when it went well. Um, well, I don't know. We welcomed Hector. Actually, Hector is like is actually oh a success story. So Hector, like, I don't know. He just I don't know if I welcomed him or not. But he started like we did this thing last year where we did um we did like a kind of like a gift exchange because everybody was sad about being home and pandemic was raging and we just I don't know. So what we did was we started doing um oh, what do we call that? Oh, we called it friend swap. Mm-hmm. And so we did this friend swap thing where people would just like send gifts to each other in the mail. We wanted it to be physical gifts just because like everybody felt like so out of touch, like you needed like something physical. So we did that. And then Hector was a part of that. And then we had a Christmas party um, last year. It was fun. And Hector came to it and like nobody really knew Hector at that point or we didn't know his personality as much. And this one guy, Kevin, who has this great Reese Witherspoon story his Reese Witherspoon's mom tried to hook him up. It, this is like, I don't know why I'm talking about that. Anyway, so Hector came to the Christmas party and this, and Kevin is having like all these technical problems and like he wasn't muted. So somebody else, was it like, was it like uh, somebody was singing songs or I don't know, somebody was doing something else and everybody else is like 
trying to listen to this person, but Kevin is not mute, wasn't on mute, and he's talking to his daughter about like technical problems or like a charger, and we could all hear it, and nobody knew what to do, and it was just so it was so awkward. I don't think the person that was presenting or doing whatever noticed it, but everybody who was on this call, there was a lot of people, like forty people on the Zoom. And you could hear this guy talking to his daughter. He probably doesn't know that he's talking to his daughter. And we were just like, uh. So then we're in the chat and then Hector's like, and so Kevin said something like, I'm going to try this or I'll do this or whatever. And, and Hector's like, in the, in the little chat that you get on Zoom, he's like, you got it, Kevin. It just <laughs> broke everything. It made it such an awkward situation, like so much better. It was hilarious. And we already knew Hector was funny earlier in the call because we were trying to like, we played some game where you had to make like baby, like a nativity or a baby Jesus out of whatever you could find around you. And Hector made this like weird baby Jesus with like a, a peach ring halo. And he's like, look, look, little angel baby Jesus with this peach ring halo. And everybody was laughing. But it was so funny because it's like we kind of welcomed Hector in the community. And he just like became this permanent fixture. He made the, the big, long WCT music um, mix. It's a playlist. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you could see people come back into the community after you welcome. I do remember welcoming Sarah Finley. And that's when we were like making everybody interns. Like, we're like, oh, here's an intern for you. It's just this jokey thing where we just like pair somebody with somebody else just because it was funny. And um, she's become such a huge person, such a huge welcomer, somebody who's just so funny, so fun and funny. So, it was fun to see her come in and then you know start helping and things like that or like Laura Clenda was like welcomed in and then she started a book club so you can see things that grew from this weird Twitter thing that just sort of happened because there's a pandemic yeah what yeah oh no go ahead but I was gonna say you could also see like things that are a little bit outside of us like when Hannah Kate Williams when her laptop broke she didn't have money to fix it and like everybody raised money or you've seen um when hillary lodged when they were adopting her and her husband danny were adopting a baby they needed um she wanted some kind of baby monitor and we're like yeah we're gonna fund this baby monitor and so it was like all this kind of stuff that you've seen happen now since weird christian twitter or whatever it's become i think it's become beyond weird christian twitter now it's just this whole thing where you've seen people um really make impacts in people's lives like there's a gosh what's holly stalkup's thing was it rise when rise they raise money for people women all the time and it's been such it's such an incredible ministry that they have and they're raising money to help women get through some rough times and they'll just retweet it and you see these women who don't know how they're going to pay for their apartment or their rent and you see that happen so it's cool to like have been like sort of on the ground floor and then you see all these things shoot out from it like a little seed that just went and became a huge huge uh, tree yeah 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 that's so good well as i say that uh just as you were talking about like youth ministry and like people just don't know because I think we we do have this idea that if the impact is not great, if the impact is not over the top that I can do uh, as an individual or as a small group of individuals, then it's not uh, it's impossible or is it worth 
doing or can I even do it? Can I accomplish this? And I think there is the, just that theme, um, even in our conversation of, you don't know the kind of impact that you can be a part of, but, and this is, I, I personally think this is the way the church is built, that, that God knew this, that you're not going to have the impact on your own as much as when you show up as small and insignificant as you might feel when you show up into the greater body god's god has the ability and the willingness and the um uh just the grandiosity to do something incredible with people that might not feel so incredible or gifted or talented or able. And so I just, I think so much of what you were sharing about youth ministry of like kids being able to interview, you know, bands and and make this work and just that, giving someone an opportunity to be generous, to be hospitable can make such an impact. And we don't even have to be a part of all of that, right? Like you're not necessarily the one running book club. You're not running all these other ministries, but a simple, like, welcome, welcome to the circle, right? Welcome to the, welcome to the home, welcome to the, through the front door, like can do so much. Well, people remember that they were welcomed. I actually remember when I was in, when I did women's ministry, I was like so much younger um, than a lot of the women in the ministry um, or they were around my age. So it was like, but you get like these older women who are like, you know, mom age and you're like, you know, my mom age. And they would just get so complaining about certain things. And you're just like, oh, but you had to just say, I'm sorry. Like, you know, and try to make it right. This one lady was talking about how she was at this event and she wasn't welcomed. And I was like, man, that's like really bad. Like, I I felt bad about it, but I knew that at that point I was in a, I had my, both my feet were broken. So it was hard for me to get around. Um, So I felt bad. And then I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. You know, Um, and then I just, it was like one of those moments where I was like, God, please just help me know what to say because I don't want to, like, I don't want to inflame this situation. And I said, like, what ideas do you have, like, to help us be more welcoming? And then she she shot me back some ideas, and I was like, oh, would you be one? Would you want to become like welcoming person that we could have somebody like when people come to an event, like you are at a table and you welcome them and you know things like that. And she's like, yeah. And then she became one of like our best volunteers. Hmm. So it was kind of like that taught me. It taught me a lot that people do want to help. They don't always just want to complain, like to try to make people part of the solution. That's good. That's really good. Mm. Well, that was totally God. Like he just, I think he's given us certain gifts that we can use and, you know, we got to use them. Yeah. Are you getting that feedback? Me, I am. There's like this. Is that for me? 
Hey, uh, well, I'll, I'll uh, make that point I was trying to make uh, before I was rudely interrupted by cell phone signal. Um, I think that as you know, you're just sharing about this uh, woman who wasn't welcome and then <laughs> became your welcome volunteer. <laughs> Don't laugh at her, Hector. It's so, it's so ironic, laughing. though. I'm, I'm laughing because of how sarcastic I sounded saying that. Not <laughs> the situation, but as if like no. I was making light of it. Um, but what <laughs> what I am what I'm trying to get at is the idea that like the opportunity that we can step into where we see pain points and then that could be a place where people can thrive because there's something that they are perceiving that we might not be aware of. And it's a pain point for them or just the way life has, they've walked through life. There's a pain point that I'm not saying always, but there is an opportunity where, they might thrive in a, a situation like that or bring to the mm -hmm. table something that, again, their small part can impact, have so much impact in a, a church, in a Bible study, in an organization, in a friend group. It can just do so much to change so many lives. Uh, and that if we, like, like you, Amy, if we could take a look, take a second to see that, that there may be so much opportunity right in front of us. Um, so, well, thank you so much for your time and for being here and for just allowing us to spend some time with Arrow and Jovi as well. Uh, it's always a great, I mean, this is like the highest attended podcast recording. So far, so, uh, and my, my best friend got home in the middle of it. So oh, she's not actually go. on this floor, but that's why Jovi left. She went uh, to go be with, with her aunt Sarah. Well, I take Jovi's welcome back, so because she left us. <laughs> but uh, but no, thank you so much for being here, and, and just again, uh, it's just a uh, a joy to know you and to just see and learn from you. And uh, I think you're really great at just Aww. yeah, you're just really great. Thank you. I love you guys too. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's good to chat with you as well. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just leave you out there. Okay? <laughs> Sarah, Sarah's Sarah's here, I guess. Is that we, a we all know Amy is the, the superstar. That's right. Yeah. She's the... I never think of myself that way. So. <laughs> you don't have to. We'll think of you that way for you. That's right. Okay. Everybody needs an entourage or a fan club. <laughs> We're the only fan club. <laughs> we are That's the... the new the new We're podcast the is the, the Amy, the Amy fan club. Yeah. Yep. Well, That'd be such a great name for a band, Amy and the Zingers. That's oh. what I'm saying. That's what we are. We're the Zingers. Yeah. yeah. That's the Zing Zings. I don't know. We'll take anyway. it. We'll take it on the road. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that one. Wow. I, I'll be a zinger, but I don't know that I'm going to be a zing zing. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to be a zing zing. Nobody. <laughs> Hey, we'll see you guys. Thank you. And for all of you joining us, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Why do I always physically wave at people? Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> oh, the zing zing. <laughs>